But I'm just uh, grateful that we can gather today and uh, thankful and looking forward to what the Lord has for us. Uh, but I want to go ahead and open up this morning with any prayer requests, praises, or anything at all uh, today that you might have. I, I do know that we need to pray for the Kemp family. Um, the Kemp's uh, family brother, Danny, he did pass away, and his service is going to be this afternoon at the Pentecostal Holiness Church, I believe at 3 o'clock. So, but just keep them in prayer. Um, he, he definitely fought a good battle and uh, fought for a long time. But uh, pray for them during this time of, of loss and grief, and, um, but thankful that uh, he's on to be with the Lord. So. But any, any others this morning? Any other special requests? Yes, sir. All right. We'll continue to pray. And uh, that reminds me as well. Um, continue to pray for uh, Janice. Um, she is in, in Mount Airy. She's still going to be there in the hospital for a little while, recovering from um, pneumonia and everything else and just the complications of everything. Um, but she is doing well. Um, there haven't been any major upswings as far as improvement, but there has not been a downturn, which is a good thing. But she's taken some good baby steps. She's been able to eat some and uh, been able to get off the a BiPAP machine and things, just do oxygen for a while. So th- there are some good things happening. But the hard thing about getting well is that it takes a long time. So um, just continue to pray for her and Richard during this time. And uh, the Lord would help them and give them peace and uh, give quick healing. Yes, ma'am. All right. Yes, ma'am. Any other requests this morning? Um, she has a... A lady that lives near her named Sharon who has cancer and they have not given her long to live. And then her nephew who has been sick with COVID as well and has not been doing too well. Any other? Yes, sir. All right. Continue to pray for her and... uh, but thankful that she has come a long ways. I think now is the part where she got to learn the balance of taking it easy and not doing too much. But um, thankful that she's able to know the difference this morning. Any other requests today? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Any others? All right, let's continue to pray for our nation. Uh, especially yesterday, you know, I think for many it probably, unfortunately, went fairly unnoticed. Yesterday being 20 years already since, uh, since 9-11. And um, I was talking to several people this week, you know, especially just the way the world is now. We, we look at really three major things in our life now that changes everything. Our life before Christ and after Christ. Our life before 9-11 and after 9-11. And now before COVID and after COVID. And um, just everything is, has changed since then, and I think there's still so many people who have hurt, and today being the day after, you know, we could probably all remember that day in particular, but many of us also remember, too, what happened afterwards, that many people would put flags outside their homes, go donate blood, and didn't care about uh, many different things. They came together, 
um, for a common goal. And we certainly haven't had quite that much unity since then. And unfortunately, we've had other tragedies and things, not to that degree, I would say, but um, we, we're still missing that unity and that, that patriotism. And um, now it's frowned upon. And, uh, so we need to pray. We need to pray for our nation. Uh, pray for each other. Let's pray for our services today. And uh, just that the Lord would help us. But are there any others at all this morning? Yes, ma'am. Unspoken. Any other unspoken this morning? The Lord knows the need. He's able. Well, I'll open us up in prayer this morning. And uh, then we're going to be um, finishing up our little section here today in First uh, John chapter 2. Uh, but let us go to the Lord in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, we thank you for another day of life that we can gather. We can worship you. We can open your word now to study it, and I pray, God, as we do so, that you would open up our hearts, Lord, uh, and that you would open up our ears, Lord, that you would uh, bring our minds together and focused on you. Uh, Lord, we could uh, just sit here like bumps on a log and not get a thing out of this today, but Lord, I pray that we would uh, get, get what you want us to get out of this, Lord, that we would be receptive, Lord, that we would have the right soil for the seeds planted today through your word, and God, that we would uh, just seek you and praise you with our whole hearts and motives and attitudes or with all that we are today, God, that you would be able to get the glory and honor of everything. Well, we do lift up these requests to you today. There, there are many today who have been made mention that are struggling with um, COVID, needing healing. Um, several family members and as well as church members who are uh, just trying to get well. We do pray for the grace and the strength that's needed and for peace for the families as well. And Lord, we do know that it's such a struggle, it seems, just to to want to get well so quickly and just have to have to wait on you and have to wait on healing. So we do pray for patience for them as well. I do lift up the Kemp family at the loss of their brother Danny. Lord, that you would uh, just give them comfort during this time of loss. Lord, it seems that there's been just so much loss lately with so many families grieving. But, but we do know that you are very much present in all situations and circumstances in life. We do pray that you would help them, guide them, strengthen them. And Lord, be with the, that service that is happening today as well. We do pray for um, a lady mentioned named Sharon with uh, cancer. Lord, doesn't seem like she has long to live. We do pray that she knows you and or that you would help and guide the family during this time as well. We do thank you for Brenda, for uh, her healing that she's had and recovery and, and uh, the strength that she has. But we do pray that you would help her with uh, the pain she's got today. And Lord, that you would continue just to bless her in her recovery and strengthening process. And we do pray for Noah as he's uh, had to travel for work and uh, him and a, another workmate as well. Lord, that you would help them and give them safe travels while they're there, while they're uh, coming back. And Lord, you would just bless them and help them to uh, be light wherever they are. We do pray as well for these unspoken requests, God. There are certainly many today, Lord. All of us today have something in our heart this morning. Uh, but God, we thank you that you know each need. Lord, you know the need long before we knew it was a need. And Lord, help us now just to turn these things over to you. And God, that you would just have your will in your way today. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. First John chapter number 2, verse number 9. First John chapter number 2, verse number 9 this morning. All right, this morning we're going to be looking at something that um, most in here today are going to say, I don't struggle with this, and this one's not for me. And if that's you this morning, like it is me, it's probably for you and it's probably for me. Um, that's just the way it goes, right? I think most sermons that are difficult and most passages that are tough, it's the passages that we read in the Bible, I would say, that we either don't like quite as much as the others or the ones that maybe kind of rub us the wrong way that we probably need to chew on the most. Those are probably the ones that apply, uh, but we don't like the stinging that takes place. Now this morning, I want us to look, I'm going to read for us verse 7 through 11 in this uh, passage that we've been dealing with, the contrast and really the comparison and the dealing with uh, the relationship of love and light. And so we're going to be in verses 9 and 11 today and to see the relationship 
um, with love and light. Last week we looked at the old and the new, verse 7 and 8, how John begins by telling them, what I'm about to tell you is nothing new or um, you know, necessarily uh, life-changing or rock your world, but it's the same thing that Jesus has always said from the very beginning. And to be honest with you, though, that should still yet rock our world and blow our minds at what the Lord has taught us and has called us to do. Um, he has called us to a high calling, and he's called us to love and to walk in the light. Now, uh, verse number 7 begins, Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you, but an old commandment which ye have heard from the beginning. That same phrase from the beginning he used over in the prologue of this book as well as over in the Gospel of John. It shows that this is literally from the beginning, this point in time where you've been taught this. This is nothing new to you. You should know this. Back to the basics, if you will. Uh, he says then, the old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shineth. We talked about that true light now being the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Jesus who is the true light. That's why people say, and when they read the Gospel of John, they say, how come Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, and then he says, you're the light of the world? Which one is it? Is that a contradiction? Absolutely not. Jesus is the true light, the source of the light. And we talked about this if you got a, if we could think cosmologically, the sun is the source of the heat and the light, and the moon reflects it. Or you can think about it this way, in your living room or in your den, wherever you might, if you have a lamp, if people still have lamps today, I'm not sure, but if you got a lamp, normally a lamp has a big stick and some sort of decorative part that has wires that go in and plug into something that gives it power, right? And then you go up and there's this light bulb that occasionally go out and you got to screw it on, screw it off, right? But then on top of that, Normally is what? A lampshade, right? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Lampshade. Okay, all right. Just do this. You can pretend. It'll help me out. All right, a lampshade. Now, that lampshade is not the source of light, but what does it do? It casts the light out, doesn't it, right? Now, if you don't have lampshade, this is going to be, right, big old light right there. And uh, it reminds me, for some reason, it comes to mind, we had a, when I was an associate pastor at Shendell Heights, we had um, an upper room in our, in our parsonage that we let the kids come over. And we had a time where it was like, Christmas. was it Christmas? Yeah, so it was a Christmas uh, celebration, get-together and everything. And so the kids were upstairs eating all kinds of food, tearing up everything, of course. But um, after all the kids left and we were able to finally breathe, um, not because, you know, we couldn't breathe before, but the smell of teenagers and stuff, it's really potent and strong. But we go upstairs, make sure everything's good to go. We notice a burning smell. What's that burning smell? One of the boys, of course, one of the boys had taken a, a basket and to move it out of the way where the games they were playing and stuck it on top of the light bulb of the lamp, and which was now slowly starting to smolder. And so, uh, you know, the, the lampshades are quite important. I learned that this morning, uh, that, that, that time that uh, baskets don't make a good lampshade. But uh, nevertheless, as we come here, you and I are not the true light, but we are the ones to reflect and to shine out who is the true light. That is Jesus. Now, we come to verse 9. He says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness, even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness and walketh in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. Now, this is a sensitive subject because none of us want to say that we have hate in our hearts, do we? Of course not, right? None of us want to say it. We all want to say, I, lo I just love everybody here at church. Do you? Right? Or I love everybody in my family. It's more, do you? Right? 
that we have to understand before we even move further into the passage, before we see what all he's pulling out here and giving to us, is we've got to understand that there is a big difference between liking, really liking, like liking, and love. Right? Love is one that is uh, self-sacrificing. It is what I often call sa- sacrifice in action. Love is something that you can demonstrate with words. You can say, I love you, or I love you very much, or I love you so much, or whatever it might be. But love must go more and deeper than words, or else it's just lip service, or else it's just words. Right? Love is more than words. Love is more than feelings. Love is even yet still more than just action, because you can do something without love behind it, can't you? Right? You can have a wrong motive, a wrong heart behind it. You can do something out of what we would call even hate, that even gives the appearance of love. Hate is one that is self-pleasing or self-serving. You can do something that seems loving, but if you do it with the heart and motive of expecting something back, did you do it with love? No, not real love. You did it, if, if anything, not love for the other person or the, the group, but love for oneself. To hate somebody is, means that not necessarily just a, this sort of loathing and disdain, as is certainly known, but to hate is the opposite of love. It is instead of being self-sacrificing, it is to self-please, to do things that even appear loving, but in turn are trying to get what you can get out of it. I would say this, we can put this more on a spiritual level to understand what love and hate means. Most of, I would say probably all of you in here today say, I love church, I love the Lord. But if we were to put it this way, um, at most of the way that a lot of us come to church and how we approach worship, how we approach singing or service in the church, we're not doing the love that we say we do. We're even almost showing hatred, a self-pleasing, a self-serving. We often come to church with what can I get out as a consumer mindset. We treat church like it's a grocery store. Well, I don't like that one, or that one's not running the hot sales this week, so I'm going to go to the other one, or I'm going to see what I can get here, and then maybe bounce somewhere else, or just, I'm just not quite satisfied today. I feel like I didn't get my money's worth, right? It's a way a lot approach church, but a heart that loves Christ will truly love the church, meaning that we will sacrifice for the Lord, and we sacrifice for the church, and that we literally lay down our lives for those that are apart. The church is much more than just a gathering. It is specifically a called-out assembly, a called-out peculiar people, which we would refer to as the body of Christ or even the bride of Christ. And so we're going to look here and see the importance of of what it means. The verse number 9 here, we are going to find the relationship. It says, he that saith he is in the light. That's you and I. We say we're in the light. We, we proclaim that we're in the light. To be in the light is the same as what he had already declared in, in chapter 1. God is, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We find then, but if we walk in the light as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In every church gathering, there are those that truly, genuinely do love the Lord, There are others then that maybe like church. Notice that difference because those are even two different things. And then there are those who are just kind of there to see what they can get here. One is on this side that loves the Lord. The one that actually loves the Lord loves the light because he's in the light. The light reveals who we truly are. It reveals our nature. It reveals our actions, our motives, our thoughts, our everything. 
But it is us that walk in the light that truly have fellowship in the light, one with another and with Christ. It is through this walking in the light that we can have these feelings of love one for another. Now, there are those who don't walk in the light but yet still come to church. They give a false appearance of light. They put on a, this sort of charade or, or a mask, and, and even the devil himself does the same thing. The lost church member is very much doing the work of the devil. The devil, he comes not as, as the cartoons Tom and Jerry show, right, with the, the red skin and the, the pointy uh, ears and the, the horns and the pitchfork and the pointy tail, right? That's, that's how we often view the devil. The devil comes as an angel of light. He comes as one who is trying to show that I'm not that bad, right? Nothing scary about me. And he comes in the subtle ways because he is the subtle serpent, the subtle liar, the one who is a subtle deceiver. We must be careful to, to make sure that we are not being used by such or doing the same thing. Why? Because there is no real fellowship one with another. I believe the reason why many churches have issues, fights, grumbling, argument, disunity, and, and everything else is because everyone, generally speaking, is worried that everyone else is not walking in light, but all the while, many are still walking in darkness, thinking that they're walking in the light. And so everyone's confused about their own state while so focused on everyone else's that they themselves are, as he says, uh, are given over to an occasion of stumbling because they're walking in darkness. We must be careful that we have our eyes actually open to what the truth is, to who we are, to who God is, and that our eyes are open not to the sins of others, not to the walk of others, because you are not someone else's Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, you're, you're, you're not your own Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your Holy Spirit. And let Him be the Holy Spirit because no one's better at that than Him. And, and so you and I are called to certainly walk in the light together and with one another and uh, in our own personal walk with the Lord. And he says, the one that says that he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. See, light and love walk together. They belong together. They even start with the same letter. Uh, they are, are so closely knitted and related. Why? Because throughout Scripture we find two statements. God is love, which everyone loves that one, right? And God is light. God is both love and light. He is love that he is self-sacrificing. He is love that it is unbeyond comparison and imagination to even fathom the depth and the riches of God's love and mercy. But then he is also light. He reveals the truth. He gives light to those who uh, call upon him to be saved. He gives light uh, to those who were in darkness and translates them into a kingdom of light. Let's see what we find then, though that the one does not go without the other, and to know one is to know the other. To walk in light means that you're walking in love. One can also not walk in true love and not also be in the light. However, in John's day, there were many deceivers. Not just the Gnostics, but many in the church that played the part. And that issue is still the same today. Why is that? How come nothing has changed in nearly 2,000 years? It's because mankind has never changed since man had first sinned. Man has always done what man does, and man wants to please the self, please the flesh. Now, the negative side of that, though, is that darkness and hatred walk together and belong together. You will not have hatred and light, nor will you have love and darkness. You won't. As a matter of fact, you and I, when we're young especially, we often have that natural fear of the dark, don't we? 
right? Some of us still might sleep with a nightlight on. I don't know. Lava lamp maybe we might have graduated up. But you think about this. We have that natural fear of the dark because it's unknown. We know that there is those things in the dark that go bump in the night that make us a, a little fearful, a little scared. But here, the, the, the darkness, we find a much spiritual uh, issue, that it is the darkness of the world. And for those of us who truly are in the light, we should want nothing to do with it because we're no longer a part of that. We are far from it. There is this great divide. And he says, the one that says he's in the light and hateth his brother. They are completely and totally incompatible. The one who says light but hates is actually in the dark. I have here for you one commentator discusses the issue of John's day. The Gnostic claim was as much to have been enlightened as to possess the knowledge of God. The falsity of their claim to be in the light was betrayed not by disobedience, but by hatred. Hatred was a very important issue of the day. Not just for the Gnostics, but if we go back even a little bit further, that uh, y'all ever heard of the Pharisees? Right? Of course we had. They were certainly prevalent during Jesus' day in ministry. And they were the same ones that believed that they had a light in the law that others did not have. They were more learned. They were more educated. They were more committed to the law and to keeping everything. And so those Pharisees, as uh, good as they would seem to be on paper, they had hate in their heart. Who did they hate? One, we know they hated Jesus, didn't they? Of course. They hated Jesus, his ministry, his disciples, everyone that followed Jesus, everything that Jesus said and did. All that they wanted to do was to trip him. Every time they went to him for questions, it was never to learn, but rather to, uh, to divide or to try to persuade or to try to trip up. So that is done out of hatred, not certainly out of love. Who else do the Pharisees hate? Everyone who is not a Pharisee. That is nothing new and is certainly nothing that has gone away. Today we find it in our modern age where if you don't look exactly like me, and I'm not just talking about what's on the outside. I'm talking about the way we think, the way we act, our opinions and ideas and beliefs, things. If you don't fully agree with me, then you are my enemy and I hate you because if you don't agree with me, then you must hate me. How illogical is that, first of all? Secondly, how corrupt it is to think such a thing. There used to be a day and an age where we could agree to disagree, and brothers here in Christ and sisters in Christ are called to both walk in love and light, and in so doing, we do have room for disagreements. We do have room for not everyone to look and think exactly the way that we do, right? If we think about it, there's sometimes uh, you might disagree with me, there's probably sometimes I disagree with me. You, you may even do the same thing with yourself. You, you have those arguments, you go back and forth, right? That we're doing the best that we can. We're trying to walk in light and love. We find though that the Gnostics and that the Pharisees and that many today have such a love for self that anyone who is not just like them, that they automatically put in the hate category. Now, they are spiritual enough to never say that I hate this group of people. However, their words, thoughts, and actions beg to differ. That's what was happening in John's Day. That's what was happening within the church. That's what he was a warning them. He was warning as well those Gnostics and Pharisees. And it's a warning to you and I today that we cannot say out of one side of our mouth how much I love Jesus and how I walk in the light and how much I love church, but yet on the other side talk about I can't stand so and so. Now, the sad thing is many of us have heard I can't stand so and so 
more times than we've heard a hallelujah come from a pew. That's a sad truth. We, we, we find out that most of the time we're more willing to talk about the things that we hate more than the things that we love. We are easier and quicker to pick out the people or the things that we hate about particular people than we are to find something that we can love about them. Now, loving does not mean that we forget all the bad. Loving does not even forget the things that uh, go on that we might disagree with, but love rather goes, you know what? If they're in Christ and I'm in Christ, if they're in the light and I'm in the light, if they love the Lord and I love the Lord, then there should be a fellowship. Remember, the whole book, this whole letter is being written to make sure that we have fellowship with the Lord, but as well, fellowship with one another. We cannot have true fellowship with God and not have fellowship with God's people. This is why today it is absolutely important to encourage those who can, who are healthy enough to come to church, to get to church. A part of worship and knowing God is fellowship with one another. Fellowship with the Word. Fellowship under God's preaching. Uh, fellowship uh, through song. Fellowship through the, sac- through the Lord's Supper, through baptism. Fellowship uh, together as we eat and as we uh, discuss and talk with one another. That fellowship needs to happen. Now, the word hateth here, it shows not just a, a moment of anger, mind you, because to hate somebody doesn't mean that you're necessarily angry all the time at them, right? Because you can smile at somebody and still hate them in your heart, can't you? As a matter of fact, most of the people that you hate and the most people that hate you, you won't know it if you talk to them directly. You normally find out through someone else, you know, they can't stand you. I don't even know how they talk to you. You can't see that. Do you see the way they puckered up their lips and like they're sucking on a persimmon, right? All that stuff. And, and you look and you see it. Some people can hide it well, others not so much. But the issue at hand is that there are those in the church who would claim, I'm in the light, but hate my brother. Let me ask you this. Who's your brother? Your brother. How about this? We'll break it down a little bit broader. Who is your neighbor? Right? Jesus was asked that. He says, if they're alive, your neighbor. How about your brother? Who is John writing to? John is writing to the saved world. So therefore, your brother or your sister in Christ are those who are in Christ. Not necessarily ones who are in church. However, the ones in church who are not in Christ will very much give the appearance of being in Christ. But there is a difference. There is a stark difference. And we must understand this, though, that you and I are not called every time we gather to be on a witch hunt to see who's got it right and who doesn't. We're called when we gather to have our own hearts prepared to worship the Lord and for our own hearts to receive what God has. The rest will have to give an account for themselves. However, it must not be ever said of your life nor mine that I love the light and have hate in my heart. The two are, are oil and water. That to say that I have the light of Christ in my heart, but have a hatred for someone in there as well, means that I don't really have the light, is what he says. He says the one that is, says he's in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. This is an ongoing perpetual hatred of their brother. It is such a disdain and a, a grudge holding a bitter person I want you to know this. There is no room for, for bitterness inside of a Christian. As a matter of fact, it is bitterness that leads to hatred and hatred that leads to division and hatred that leads to, to dishonoring the Lord. There is no honoring God with a heart that claims to know Christ but has hatred for someone else. Regardless of who they are, in or out of the church. 
Now, there is some righteous hatred that we'll look at here in just a moment, maybe. Uh, the Proverbs 6 tells us about the things that God hates. And there are some things that God hates. We must understand that. You and I are called to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. What are the things that God loves? God loves His Son. God loves the church because His Son bought the church. It belongs to Him. It's His bride. It's His body. How about this? He loves His Word because He keeps His Word. He upholds His Word. He reveals Himself through His Word. He loves righteousness. Therefore, you and I should love righteousness. He loves holiness. Therefore, you and I should love holiness. We see we should love the things that God loves. And if we're truly in the light and truly love the Lord, those things will naturally happen. It's a new appetite, a new purpose, a, a new focus in our life. However, the things that God hates. You can turn with me real quick to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 16 to 19. <clears throat> Proverbs 6, 16 and 19. These six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. One. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Y'all know what the word hate means? It means hate. God literally hates those things. God hates those things being done. Why? Because we even notice even that last one about discord amongst the brethren and John is dealing with this. He's saying there will be discord if you individually say I love the Lord and I walk in his light, but yet I have hate yet in my heart. Today, if you have hate in your heart anywhere for anyone, today you need to get it right. It might be someone in the pew next to you, right? For for married couples, hopefully not. Even further, though, go past your, your spouse, the person to your left, to your right, and go across the aisles. There's someone there that you have such disdain for that you would rather, instead of walking across the aisle to shake their hand, you'd rather just never see them again. But we can be often, as the church of God, so full of love and darkness that we cease to truly be the church. And he even goes so far here. And this is not Pastor Joe. This is not me trying to be harsh or try to step on a toe that's sticking out. This is what the Bible says. John says, He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. The phrase even until now is literally giving the force of all along. Meaning this, the one who claims to be in the light, the one who says, I'm a Christian, but I also hate so-and-so. He says, you're not really a Christian yourself. Now you say, well, that that seems like a big step. It seems like a a bit far, a a bit much. The issue at hand is this, that there were many false Christians in that day, and I would say that there's many today as well. I would say today that there are more false Christians than there are real Christians. You go, well, why is that? If there were the millions of Christians that claim to be true Christians, how could our world be in the shape that it is in? A Christian naturally gives light and love to the things surrounding it. Much like that lampshade we talked about earlier. Not a basket, not a bushel, but a lampshade that is spreading forth the light. If we had truly the millions that, and, and, and tens and hundreds of millions that say that they are a Christian, how could we have 
Half of them not believe in the Holy Spirit being a literal person of the, of the Trinity? How could we have nearly half plus believing that it is okay to either murder babies, they don't call it that, so it's not as bad, but it's still murder, or to say that um, sin does not offend God and that God kind of overlooks it at the end of all things, or that Jesus is, you know, the Son of God, but He's not fully God. Right? Those things are salvation issues. If you are truly saved, you will not have hate. Why? Because hate was in the dark. Now, when you were lost, you could hate all day long. You know why? Because that's who you were. You were full of hate, full of wickedness, full of pride, full of self-deceit, full of self-destruction, full of self-satisfaction. That is what the lost person does. So therefore, should the saved person have hate in their heart? Not one bit. However, I'll give you permission to maybe dislike somebody. Liking and loving are two different things. Uh, th- there is one thing that you can certainly have a dislike, maybe someone's personality. It just rubs you wrong, right? I might, I might do that, right? You, you might not like me. You might not like someone else. However, in Christ, what should there be? There should be a love. Why? Because Jesus bled and died for them. Next time that we see someone that we don't like, I want you to remember not your feelings towards them, not even what they did to you. And it might have been horrible. I want you instead to remember what you did to Jesus. You were so filthy, so rotten, so dirty, so vile that he had to die in your place, that he had to literally become your sin and bear the weight of your sin, your guilt, and your shame. And I would even go further to say that if it was you and I on that day who were Roman soldiers or the only one there, that you and I would have done the spitting on his face. You and I would have pulled his beard. You and I would have beaten him and you and I would have cried out to crucify him as well we have to understand who we are and and who God is and that when we see that individual that we might have hate or bitterness towards one I believe we need to ask God for forgiveness Two, ask them for forgiveness and try to reconcile if reconciliation can't be fully made then understand if you are both in Christ then you know what one day you're going to be in heaven with him and it's not going to matter there's going to be plenty of people that you hate on this earth who just might be in heaven with you, and then you're not going to hate them anymore. So you better get used to it now. Go ahead and start practicing. You just might find some joy in it. You just might find that you stop carrying around such a heavy load and a burden. It's a difficult thing, and I would say that it's heavier to carry around hate than it is to carry on love. That sounds all squishy and mushy and gooshy and stuff, and I don't normally do that sort of thing, but it's true. Those that carry around hate are carrying around a burden that they should not even be carrying. If you have someone, which I'm sure that you might have someone, because we're not above that, make it right. Ask the Lord for help. If you think that God is powerful enough to save you, don't you think that God is powerful enough to help you in this issue? Because this is a heart and a sin issue. Then the, the positive and negative continue on. He says, He that loveth his brother, though, abideth in the light, truly is abiding in the light. As we talked about, to abide in Christ, I in him, and him and I. He says, um, he that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. Do you want to know why you put out the little nightlight in the bathroom or in the hallway? It's so that way you don't stumble, right? It's so that way you don't fall. It's so that way you're not... A lot like, which one was it, Velma and Scooby-Doo when she lost her glasses? Every time she lost her glasses, what she had to do? She had to 
feel around and or you know grab a hold of Scooby's tail to get out of there or to try to find the her glasses and it never failed every episode they always got broken I would hate to see her her uh, her her eye doctor and her eyeglasses bill every every episode they're getting crushed or lost but I can't he's got to have good insurance I don't know but we see this that you and I if we walk in the light if we love our brother and we abide in the light then we're not walking around like her stumbling or falling or feeling our way around in this world. We have light, the light of the gospel, the light of God's word, and we are walking in that light. Therefore, the path is clear. The Lord makes the way. And then he says, but he that hateth his brother is in darkness. And he walks in darkness and knoweth not whither he goeth. Because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. If you want to experience what he's talking about as an illustration. Tonight, okay? Now, you don't have to. Matter of fact, I'd probably even tell you not to. But it would be like this. If you want to experience exactly what he's dealing with spiritually, I want you to have someone drive you out to the woods. <laughs> right? When it's nice and dark, okay? And I want you then to let them put a blindfold over you, okay? And then spin you around in circles ten times this way, ten times that way, maybe. You don't really have to do that. It's just kind of for fun for the person there. But, and then to march you into the woods and to tell you to find your way out. You're going to be able to do that? No, and none of you are going to try it, right? I hope not. But you're not going to. Why? Because you know it's dangerous. You know you'll fall. You'll know that there's danger, that there's things around you that could, could devour you, or there's things in your way that could cause you to, uh, to fall or, or to stumble Even you yourself would be even frozen in fear, not knowing what is there. And so he says, he that hateth his brother is in that sort of darkness, spiritually. He is literally groping around trying to find his way and cannot find his glasses. He can't find the light. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's nothing there except for darkness. It is that his eyes are blinded. It is is this. It is being in a pitch black room. There's no moonlight, no starlight, no sunlight, no flashlight, no light. And then also, not just being blindfolded, but literally being blinded. There is no ability to see light, darkness, there's nothing. It's just nothing but dark. That's the spiritual stage describing here. Today, I would say this. We are called, and we see the simplicity of this. And yet many of us probably struggle a little bit, don't we? You see, we have the true light of the gospel of Christ. Therefore, that true light shines in us and through us and for us. And it's true love that gives us the true light, which keeps us then from stumbling. David Guzik writes, if we can't love each other, then we have no way to claim a real love for God. Our relationship with God can be measured by our love for other Christians. Today, if there was a thermometer a temperature check, if you will, for your love for God, I believe it would be seen about your love for God's people. What would your temperature be? Would it be loving? Would it be kind of mild? Or would it be cold? We're not called to be cold Christians. We are not to hate our brother. Why? Because it is the opposite of love. It is the opposite of what Christ did. As in, Hating, meaning we're walking in darkness, and that is not to walk in the light as we're called to. Stott writes, hatred distorts our perspective. We do not first misjudge people and then hate them as a result. Our view of them is already 
jaundiced by our hatred. It is love which sees straight, thinks clearly, and makes us balanced in our outlook, judgments, and conduct. I would say this today. Our emotions can blind us, but the truth sets us free. Today, the truth might be that someone might be very much in the wrong. Love them anyways. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those that persecute you. Love your enemies? Unheard of. Love those that hate me? Yes. Because with outstretched arms and blood flowing down a wooden cross, Jesus loved his enemies and those who are enemies of him. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for this morning that we could gather and study your word. Lord, help us all. Lord, if we have something in our heart today that is keeping us from truly loving you and loving people, God, that you would deal with us. Help us now to have our hearts prepared for this time of worship, for this time, Lord, that you would speak in us and through us and to us, God, uh, through the preaching of your word. And Lord, today that in all things that we say and do, that you might get the glory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, men's prayer room, if you want to, right over here, and we'll take a pause for the cause.